Hello and welcome to Reality Tourist Podcast. In this podcast, I will interview people about their experiences of psychosis in order to end the taboo, educate people, and basically just help others feel less alone. Never thought when I started doing this, this is the sort of warning I was going to put the front of an episode. I was expecting, you know, self-harm warnings, suicide warnings, but no. Today's episode may contain spoilers for Stranger Things. <laughs> so yeah, here's your spoiler warning. <laughs> it's not until later on in the episode, but um, I thought I should make people aware just in case if you're not, you know, seen the most recent series. Hello everyone, welcome to our new episode of Reality Tourists. Today I am joined by Yvette. Uh, would you like to have a quick introduction of yourself, just for everyone to know who you are? Hi, yeah, uh, my name's Yvette Caster, and I'm a journalist and a writer and a podcaster. Um, I co-host Metro's mental health podcast, Mentally Yours, um, and I do various things, including writing about mental health, but also travel stuff for the nationals. So yeah, I've been a journalist pretty much all my career, um, and I also have bipolar disorder, so that's sort of... <laughs> I guess, why I'm so interested in writing and talking about mental health stuff. bit daunting for me, this, really. It's the um, first time we've had another podcaster on, and yeah, I feel like you're going to judge me. I know she's probably not, but still. Now, I'll admit, I don't know much about bipolar. I've learned a little bit from other guests, but I know there's two types. I'm not really sure what the two types are. So I suppose the first question is, can you explain what bipolar is and sort of how you experience it personally? Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. So you're right, there's actually a few types. So there's um, type 1 and 2. I'm type 1. Um, and that's sort of the one where you have um, kind of manic episodes where you lose touch with reality and depression. Um, type 2 tends to be, I mean, it varies for everyone, but it, it's thought to be a little bit sort of less extreme. You have sort of more depression and more kind of hypermanic episodes. So you might not lose touch with reality, but you might do very impulsive things. You might sort of go on kind of impulsive spending sprees or do sort of things that you later kind of regret as opposed to type one uh, which is what I have where you've kind of yeah com completely lost touch with reality had psychosis uh delusions believed lots of stuff that wasn't true yeah but there's also actually other some some other ones like um rapid cycling within that so that's where you kind of have as, as the name suggests your mood changes very quickly and then there's also cyclothymia if I'm pronouncing that right so there's a few different types and for me like I say type one and I was first affected well actually I've been thinking about this because I had my first manic episode when I was 17 so I tend to sort of start talking about it from then but actually I really think I was affected by it at a younger age because I remember kind of having periods of depression from around 14 certainly and actually, even in my childhood, I know that I had patches where I just sort of felt fairly sad, but didn't really know why. So, yeah, I kind of feel like it's something I've been managing or <laughs> failing to manage or, you know, trying to deal with my whole life, really. But yeah, for me, when it was when it really sort of became a thing was when I was 17, had a manic episode, uh, lost touch with reality, uh, went to a young person's mental health unit. Yeah. So that's where it all sort of started. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really different for everyone. But although there's, I guess there's some things we have in common when it comes to bipolar disorder. I can, I can really relate to that whole trying to figure out when it started thing. I mean, I always say I was 19, but when I look back, nah, stuff happened earlier. And I bet 
I bet a lot of people can relate to that, sort of not knowing when it started sort of thing and trying to piece it together retrospectively. It's just complicated. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And I think people don't maybe don't like to think about the idea of people sort of struggling with their mental health in childhood or maybe they sort of think about that a bit more these days. But maybe people don't like to think about the possibility that actually, yeah, some people, it's sort of with them from a very early age um, and it might not be obvious. But typically, I think it's when you're a teenager that a lot of these things can sort of be triggered and it becomes very obvious um, because of all the sort of hormonal stuff going on and stresses of work, of um, schoolwork and life and, you know, your love life and friendship. It seems to all kind of come to a head for a lot of people when they're a teenager. But I don't know about other people, but another com common thing with bipolar disorder is you can sort of have episodes for a while, but it can actually then take quite a long time to get diagnosed. So even though I was, yeah, had that manic episode at 17, I didn't get um, diagnosed and put on long-term medication until I was uh, 24. And I think typically it's about 10 years between first getting sick and uh, getting diagnosed for people with bipolar disorder. So that's a bit annoying, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> a lot can happen in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of sort of confusion. And I was just sort of relieved actually when I had a name for what was going on and also had a plan of action of what I could do about it. But I think perhaps the thinking is, you know, they don't want to diagnose people too soon or, you know, there's just the possibility that it could just be sort of one blip or, you know, something could have happened, you know, you could maybe have a one-off thing and then you're fine again. So, it's, yeah, mental health is such an unusual thing, isn't it? I think but I think that's kind of the thinking with the professionals, that you have to kind of have a few manic episodes before they'll then go, right, okay, so this is what's going on long term. That, that does make sense. I think also in a weird way, the professionals almost don't want to put the word on your record because it might cause problems for you. Which in another weird way kind of adds to the stigma because even if the professionals don't want to put it down, then what chance have you know, the rest of us got really? Yeah, that's a really strange one, isn't it? I don't, I didn't really experience that myself, but a friend of mine um, who has uh, schizophrenia had that, and she only actually saw that that was on her record when she basically peeped over a doctor's notes and saw the word there. And you just think that's that's really strange, isn't it? That's, I mean, that's really not just strange; that's wrong that they're actually because at that point they were kind of treating her and trying to support her but they hadn't just said we think you might have schizophrenia so yeah I mean personally I found it really helpful just to know what I'm dealing with because you know I think knowledge is power you can do loads of research there's, and we're lucky now aren't we there's there's so much sort of written about it and people talking about it there's still a lot of mis misunderstanding about it but I think if you if you have a if you think that you might be living with this you can do lots of research and sort of find out if you actually are or aren't. Like Bipolar UK is pretty useful for that as well. They're the charity that sort of represents people with bipolar disorder. And it actually might turn out that it might be something else that you're, you're dealing with. But yeah, I think knowledge is power, definitely. Personally, I like having a label or a name to what's going on. Better the devil you know and all that sort of stuff. I definitely, I definitely prefer it this way. Yeah, definitely. Because it was such a kind of... And it was a massive shock to the system for me when I was, like I said, when I first got really sick as a teenager. I mean, it just, it was kind of like my whole world fell apart and didn't really know what was going, going on at all. And I just couldn't really see that I'd ever sort of be normal again or be able to manage it again or, yeah. So I think it would have maybe helped at least having a name for it. 
that that makes perfect sense to me so going back a bit um from what you were saying i get the impression that you mainly get the sort of psychosis symptoms during your mania phase not so much in your the other one depression forgot the word depression come on brain seriously anyway so um yeah psychosis symptoms yeah that's right yeah so um it's always been that way for me so the depression side of things has always been i guess fairly typical in that you know well i don't know that anything's typical of depression but you know i've had varying sort of degrees of it being sort of moderate or sort of fairly extreme so sort of suicidal but I, that hasn't ever been mixed with psychosis for me the psychosis side of things has always been uh, during mania and yeah it's it's interesting isn't it trying to explain to people who haven't had psychosis what it's like because it is just having like your own reality for a bit you know I just if I think about the first time I suppose I just went from being a relatively everyday sort of 17 year old girl just kind of getting on with her schoolwork to having a, a set of beliefs first of all kind of completely forgetting about school and friends and family or anything like that to to then sort of having these beliefs that I had magical powers and then I was sort of you know trying to reverse some like Eve's curse type thing I, I remember actually sort of like putting bowls of water filled with flowers around the house as part of the spell that I thought I was doing and at the time I was really caught up in it it was sort of like being caught up in a storm and really having no time for anything else you know like I don't even know if I would have known my own name if someone had asked me really at that point it was yeah very strange and since that one I then had a few more but then like I said when I got to the point I was 24 I'd had a, I'd had a few more and at that point I just thought no I have to go on long term mood stabilizers and since then touch wood I haven't had oh it's strange actually because after the, over the past few years with um, lockdown and everything I feel like I kind of had a bit of psychosis like I had a period where I thought the house was bugged but I was still kind of getting on with my work and everyday stuff so it was a very strange situation but generally it's been all right like since the mood stabilizers things have been a lot more manageable I've been able to have a I guess I guess what people would say relatively normal life i shouldn't really use the word normal but yeah <laughs> i know what you mean <laughs> so it's what what i find interesting about psychosis i don't know about you but what i find interesting is that you know a lot of people kind of have very sort of similar sort of beliefs or experiences so when maybe when i said about the house being bugged people might relate to that because that seems to be a fairly common one about the idea of being watched and also with the sort of magic powers things i think that's fairly common and a thing about sort of religion that seems to be a, a common one as well like yeah but I mean it's it's only sort of when you're feeling all right again you can kind of think oh well that was sort of interesting you know I remember after the first one I was just sort of absolutely sort of devastated that it had happened to me and I just thought oh god how can I have a normal life and because I just didn't feel like well you know how could how could things go on really and I guess that sort of pairs with the depression as well, because you then it really kind of knocks your self-esteem, I think, to have gone through psychosis. No, no, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I've read a few studies that um, seem to imply that an awful lot of hallucinations and delusions are almost linked to your culture. So different cultures will have completely different experiences, which I thought was quite interesting. Time periods as well. So in the 15th to 17th centuries, it was really 
quite common for people to believe they were made out of glass and they would shatter. Um, King Charles the Sixth, I think, of France was a famous sufferer of this. And so, yeah, I think it might be interesting. Um, it might be right about the bug thing because we do now live in a world with CCTV and bugs everywhere. So maybe that sort of feeds into it somehow. I've experienced it a little bit. I have quite a common one of thinking that there's tracking devices inside my body. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there is common themes or threads, as it were. What's really interesting about the different cultures. The other thing I was thinking the other day from having a chat on our podcast, actually, on Mentally Yours, um, with another lady who has bipolar disorder, is she was talking about kind of some of the, it might sound a bit odd, but some of the, the positive takeaways she's had from her psychosis, because I think sometimes doctors and people who have never suffered psychosis completely see it as a completely negative thing, or oh, we need to get rid of it, we need to medicate it, it's awful and don't get me wrong like I'm really glad to be on mood stabilizers now and I'm glad to to not have them in, in the way that I was having them when I was younger but it was interesting that she sort of said because she was talking about for her in one of her money episodes she had a, a quite a spiritual experience and some other people can have either a spiritual experience or things like creative bursts and I've had that sort of creative side of things where you're sort of writing and writing for me it tends to be writing and writing and talking and talking and more recently when I was sort of not really taking meds properly it was I just wrote a load of songs like all in one day so there's not to sort of say and, and I think that might sort of sound very strange to like I say health professionals because I think sometimes they just think oh well you know the best thing is just to be in a, on an even keel. And I, I do think that's true. But I'm just saying, I think it can be hard initially to come to terms with medication and the idea of being on an even keel if actually aspects of psychosis have been positive, if that makes sense. Oh, no, I, I, I totally get it. I mean, I have auditory hallucinations. And when I first got on the correct medication and they started to fade, it was weird because I think I'd, I'd had them for so long. It almost felt lonely. I mean, they were horrible. They were awful to me. They were nasty, nasty voices. But I can't cope with silence now. It's just, it's an odd feeling not having them there anymore. So, yeah. I, and the thing about when you go on medication is you lose the any positive aspect as well as the negative aspect. So, yeah, I totally, totally get where you're coming from and you are making sense to me. Out of curiosity, the whole writing loads of songs in a day thing, like, I've done that before, written loads of stuff in a day, and it's all, it's been nonsense when I look back. So, were yours any good or were yours also nonsense well i was quite pleased with them i mean the, like the ones i've got yeah the ones that were recent i i was i am i was and i am still quite pleased with them actually um in the past yeah a lot of the writing i was doing was total nonsense so like you say it's it's kind of a mixed bag but i mean i think i think there's kind of a, a midway you know i think that like there's a way of you know getting to a a good you know managing your mental health being on the right medication being on the right dosage having the right counseling having the right sort of doing the right things in terms of sleep and exercise and self-care where you can you can still sort of have that creative aspect you can still you know have that sort of spiritual aspect if that's your your thing you know i don't think it has to be an either an either or thing but yeah i mean it's been both really like i've had a load of rubbish <laughs> that I've written certainly certainly when I was in like the worst of my uh, manic episode when I was younger loads of nonsense but more recently when I was actually still on 
some medication um but it was yeah things are still slightly not right i was actually quite happy with it and yeah i've been thinking about this whole thing quite a lot recently and i think probably because i recently went to a big exhibition um about van gogh and obviously he's sort of like one of the poster boys for people <laughs> with bipolar disorder and mental health issues in general because um, people think that's what he lived with although obviously they don't really know because um, he didn't get diagnosed when he was alive but you know when he was unwell he was kind of coming out with a painting a day which is pretty impressive but also you know obviously it would have been a lot better if he'd been able to be creative and stable yeah Sorry, I've taken this in a very sort of like random direction. Oh, I hope you're all right well, with in it. In the last one, we started talking about Star Trek for like 10 minutes, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're totally right. It's all about striking the right balance. But you've also got to try to avoid the whole tortured genius trope because that, well, that's a bit problematic in ways. Yeah, definitely. No, no, I couldn't agree with you, you more. I mean, that's definitely a trope, isn't it? And um I think I wrote about that a while ago for Metro about because there's a few people that have struggled and then, you know, they've sadly died sort of early. And yeah, it it is about sort of striking a balance and getting the right support. And um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Mental yeah, health. I don't know if I want to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'd talk about um, Star Trek with you, but I'd probably I could talk about Stranger Things. I'm quite excited about that coming out. <laughs> Yeah, the final ones. But um, I saw people um, tweeting. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, I just mentioned that because um, I saw um, someone tweeting about sort of Stranger Things and kind of the relationship to mental health on that one, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like the um, the whole bit with Max getting sort of almost taken by Vecna. I haven't yes. seen the final one, so that everything might change. But I found that so moving because it you know, the way that she was sort of had been isolating herself and sort of almost got taken by, you know, this horrible monster. It really sort of spoke to me. And I suppose it, it was almost kind of like a representation of depression, really, for me, you know, when she goes around writing all those notes as well, that could be sort of compared to suicide notes. But God, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because it's that whole scene of her sort of getting dragged away from her friends by the sort of the darkness. But then they pull her back. So genuinely getting emotional just thinking about Stranger Things now. And yeah, God knows what I'll be like when I actually see the final um, episodes. I saw some sort of complaints earlier. Um, they were saying that it was falling down the whole psychotic people are dangerous thing. I mean, I didn't see that personally. I might I might have just missed it, though. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, well, maybe there's... I mean, there was that whole thing with Beckner's dad. I'm just ruining it for people that haven't seen it. But, um... I'll have a spoiler alert to the beginning. It's fine. <laughs> yes, thank you, spoiler alert. Yeah, there's that very sort of Silence of the Lamb bit where Nancy um, and Robin go to see Beckner's dad. And it is it is very... See, you see, to me, that just felt like a, a kind of a homage to Silence of the Lambs. But it, I, can, I think, yeah, a lot of people have seen, seen that as problematic because it's essentially a man who has been kind of diagnosed as being mentally ill and also violent and, you know, accused of murdering his family, kept in some horrible cage and sort of like darkness and, you I know. Think, the thing is, though, I think we need to remember it's set in the 80s and that's that's kind of what happened in the 80s. Yeah. Well, yeah, people don't like to think about sort of the ways that treatment has changed and depictions yeah. have changed. And 
for me it was more about because yeah stranger things is all set in the 80s it felt more like they were trying to play up to the the way that mental health was portrayed in 80s films if that makes sense yeah um but yeah i i I can equally see why it's problematic for some people but yeah i think now i know to look for it i can see it but i also think that like other things have done things so much worse maybe we should look at them first stranger things did some things well some things maybe not so well but i think the not so well things a lot of them are references to 80s films or they're just because it's set in the 80s and that is kind of what happened i don't know maybe maybe i'm biased because you know i like the program so maybe maybe i'm guilty of making excuses for it because i like it well same that's that's the thing it is like when you maybe i'm kind of making excuses for the vecna sad thing because i just really like the program so i just want to be like well actually that's you know just a reference to 80s films that's not actually them themselves but yeah it's um it's kind of jarring isn't it now when you see depict like really sort of incorrect depictions of mental illness on screen because i think it it's it has come a long way um although you still do get like the odd reference on twitter you know um people being called ocd for when they're actually just neat or you know people were talking the other day i noticed on twitter about i don't know bipolar weather or something or you know i, I read a book recently quite a modern book and it was using the word bipolar was kind of very up and down. And I just thought, oh, come on, because <laughs> every I, th- I thought everybody sort of knows about this stuff now. It's just kind of lazy if you if you can't think of a word that actually means up and down, because bipolar disorder is so much more than actually the extremes of mood up and down. You know, there's for me anyway, there's like big periods of being on an even keel, being kind of normal in between and also hypermania which is like i kind of mentioned earlier on sometimes being just very impulsive like overspending money making sort of unwise choices in terms of men and stuff so um the idea is just up and down and i think it's equally frustrating for people with different like conditions i think borderline personality disorder although i'm not sure that everyone calls it that these days that still gets very misunderstood as well it it did change its name. Um, it's EU now, not B. Um, emotional, emotionally unstable personality disorder. I think. It, anyway, I think most people still seem to call it borderline personality disorder. The new name, never really stuck. Not really sure why. Very stigmatized condition that one, and even amongst professionals, seemingly, I'd say it's probably one of the most stigmatized conditions, other than psychosis. And then it can have psychosis as an element. So um, yeah, oh, I'm rambling. Um, but I think what it is is. People like to be able to simplify things to a single line. Depression equals sad. Anxiety equals scared. Bipolar equals up and down. People just, they like to be able to simplify and they don't look at the complexities or the nuance of it. And I think that's basically the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you said, I mean, like with depression, I don't know, I suppose at times it sort of felt like sadness. But for me, it just actually, like there's the physical pain. It's like, it's kind of like, Hang, like carrying around a rock in your stomach so big people think it's just sort of a thing in your head feeling sad but actually I get that physical pain and almost kind of an absence of emotion and just a real sort of lack of ability I don't know and then I suppose I, like I, when I try and explain like mania to people the easiest thing always t- tends to be sort of maybe if people have taken drugs but then that's not really straightforward enough because the thing is if people take drugs they 
generally chosen to do that you know whereas mania is something you, you can't control you don't you know it's not like you've chosen to have that break from reality and you don't know where it's going to go and you don't know how long it's going to last you don't know when you're going to end, where you're going to end up um so it's quite frustrating <laughs> Um, and then yeah all the other bits in between like I said with bipolar disorder I think the things people don't know so much about are the fact that you can have you can be on a very even cure for a long time and then suddenly sort of things can go wrong again I kind of like to think that like one of the upsides of bipolar disorder is that though with things like the depression side you know you can feel really bad but when you're feeling like that you can sort of think well I've been through this and actually it's going to go up again at some point um yeah and i think generally living with long-term mental illness can make you sort of a lot more empathetic and kind of a better listener hopefully and i don't know just a bit more open-minded um, about people and you know what we go through and just the idea that you know nothing's forever you know whatever you're going through in terms of life whether it's to do with mental health or a problem in your life yeah change just happens you know change change comes eventually so got very serious there <laughs> i don't know if there's anything else you'd like to ask <laughs> on anything different well, i suppose it's a um a relatively serious topic isn't it so you'll you, you're excused um i think you're right on the empathy thing i've heard a lot of people mention that recently that mental illness has made them more empathic because they make less assumptions about other people because they've been through something but anyway, back onto the psychosis thing, because that's what I'm meant to be talking about and I'm really bad at staying on topic. I get the impression from what you've said that you mainly get delusions then and not so much um, hallucination side of things. Am I am I interpreting that right or have I have I misrepresented you there a little bit? No, that's exactly right. Yeah, so I've I've never had sort of sort of heard voices or seen things that weren't there. But yeah, for me it's been the delusion side of things. So just having really solid beliefs like I said, like sort of like I had magic powers. One of the delusions that I had was that I could breathe underwater. So I remember having this conversation with the doctor that I could breathe underwater. And they just all sound so odd when you sort of talk about them and when you're kind of in a an okay place again. Although, you know, there's, there's ones like that, which I sort of say out loud now and I just think, well, that makes no sense and I don't believe that now. But then there's other ones which seem really convincing and can kind of, for me anyway, can kind of hang around like long after, like after you kind of get better. So like the idea that sort of my house was bugged, that kind of, the only way that I could kind of get over that because I was really convinced about it. And although I'm sort of, I don't believe it now, I sort of, I got a lot better, but I was, it was still sort of in my mind, like that belief. But the only way that I could just sort of get past it is I just sort of thought, well, you know, we actually live in an age now where, you know there's cctv and actually it probably would be fairly easy for people to track your phone if they wanted to or you know put your camera somewhere so i just thought well you know i think that actually it doesn't matter either way and i'm just going to choose to live my life as i want anyway and just not worry about it which might sound very odd but i think that's not uncommon either just the idea that you can have a delusion and then get better but then still kind of still believe it if that makes sense so you won't be caught up in it so for me, during mania, there's a very solid element of being caught up in it, like with the spells, actually believing I was doing something and performing these actions, but then sort of coming out of it and then actually still thinking, at, like, actually, I still do have magical powers. I don't believe that now, but you can still get that kind of, yeah, they can just be really hard to shift. 
if that makes sense. Like that's that's what I found anyway. Yeah, I've been describing it recently as having sort of two realities inside my head and having to consciously choose one. I don't know if that makes... A lot of this stuff is so, like, you say it and then you go, does that make sense to anyone else who doesn't experience this sort of stuff? It's it's really odd, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's such a strange one, isn't it? And I, like, one of the other ones when I was a bit older, I don't know how old I would have been, maybe sort of 22, so it was before I was on my meds, but obviously still had bipolar disorder. And it was, that was weird, because although I didn't have hallucinations, it, it kind of felt like, because I was up so high, everything sort of felt very twinkly. It was almost like, this is going to sound really odd, it was almost like I was sort of like a Disney princess, because everything sort of felt very twinkly and, and lovely. And I think, I don't know, like something wonderful was going to happen, which might sound quite nice, but but actually if that's stopping you from you know your day-to-day life going to work and doing normal things then it is a bit of a problem the brain's an odd thing isn't it <laughs> it, is, it, it is really fascinating and you kind of have to think like why is it why does the brain sort of do this you know like why is it like this for, for one in four people yeah and, and is it sort of modern life that's exacerbating things or is there some upside to these things or you know like what is it I think everyone has their thing to deal with, whether it's a physical thing or yeah, mental thing or just stuff going on in their lives, like family things. And you just kind of have to play your cards you dealt, really. I don't know if I've, is that enough of an explanation about delusions? Because, yeah, I've never, I, I, I guess I feel quite lucky in that I haven't had hallucinations or auditory stuff, because I think that could be quite scary. And my, my delusions I haven't really found particularly scary. Like they haven't been sometimes but I guess they have sort of felt good at the time. It's more sort of after the event because I I remember every single thing that's happened during them. So it's more after the event. And then you go, Oh God, what was I doing? What must people have thought of me? You know, like did I end up I don't know, running out in the street and strongly some random guy that's you know, I haven't done that. One of oh yeah, one of the other things I did at one point is I went and sort of slept on the street again when I was in Mania, which is not particularly sensible because it was like this was when I was living up north and it was sort of freezing cold and you know woman on her own it's not ideal so yeah after that you'd kind of think goodness why did I do that I mean you can still kind of remember why you did it because you have you remember like the thinking behind the delusion but it's just quite strange and like I say I think it can be quite hard in terms of like as, as well as sort of getting back on an even keel just mentally and getting back into everyday life I think there's kind of a trying to get back onto a an even even kill in terms of your self-esteem because I think it can sort of knock you a bit whether you've been through mania or depression or yeah psychosis because I don't know it's just challenging isn't it <laughs> I don't know if I've explained that very well <laughs> no, no, yeah then the afterwards bit is it's so hard sort of unpicking and the best I can describe it to anyone who's not experienced it, I think, is, this isn't the best of analogies, but when you go on a night out and you get really, really drunk, and then the next day people text you with pictures or little anecdotes of what you did, and you're just like, what the hell? And now you're worried about what people think of you, you're worried about what you did, you're worried about why you did it, and yeah, that's not the best of analogies. But it's just, it's really hard to explain to anyone who's not experienced it, because in that moment, 
that is real. That is truth. That is what is happening. And you are reacting to it in what you think is a no, logical manner. I think that's manner. a really good way to put it, actually, for people who haven't been through it. Because, yeah, you do have to sort of compare it to, yeah, like you say, drinking and then, you know, getting blind drunk or whatever. And then the morning after or, yeah, maybe sort of taking drugs or whatever. And then, yeah, oh, brains, <laughs> strange things. One day I'll get like a neuroscientist on here and we'll pick the brain. <laughs> but until then... <laughs> Oh, that sounds great. I'll be a fun one. If any newer scientists are listening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, would you like to plug your podcast while you're here? Since um, I think we're pretty much out of time now. Um, it's called Mentally Yours. It comes out every week. It's a metro.co.uk podcast. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter at MentallyYRS and also on Facebook, just Mentally Yours. And that's quite a nice sort of supportive community for people experience mental illness or people who are kind of trying to support people with mental illness and the podcast is kind of if anyone's interested in listening to that we kind of specialize in talking to people with lived experience like that's the thing that we always wanted to focus on but we do also have experts on sometimes and sort of the odd celebrity with lived experience too and we kind of we've covered things from sort of anxiety and depression to um did and yeah, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Have a listen if you like, but won't be offended if you don't. <laughs> Just keep listening to this one. This, yeah, I've really enjoyed this chat, so thank you. I, mean, I, was, I was about to ask if you wanted to um, plug your podcast, and you've already done it. So <laughs> <laughs> I would say if anyone's interested in anything mental health-wise, you have probably covered it. Um, I've not looked through the whole thing, but I was looking yesterday, and it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> we've been going since 2017 so there's oh, yeah well, there's, and that's every sing every single week since 2017 so hopefully there's something for everyone there but yeah have a listen all right well um so yeah it's been very great it's been great having you on having a bit of a chat uh, i hope i hope it's gone all right for you as well because as uh, i'm not experienced yet <laughs> i feel like i'm getting judged no it's been lovely it's been really lovely thanks for having me on Thank you for listening to this episode of Reality Tourist Podcast. To find out more about the project, or maybe to get involved by writing a blog or being a guest on the show, please look us up on Twitter, at Reality Tourists. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs>